Well, hello, my name is Dave, and I just want to welcome you to the Saints Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Brett Esslinger as we kick off our new series, Vision and Values. My name is Brett. I'm the senior pastor here. It's an honor to have you with us here at church today as we kind of kick off a brand new season. And I don't know about you, but for me, September always feels like more of a new year than January does. I don't know if it's just like kids going back to school, uh, which all the parents said amen and rejoice, and they're so happy as they're just back. You know, they are back. It's not that we don't like them at home. It's just we love it when they're at school learning and growing and growing as people, you know, being developed and stretching. Thank you. I don't need that one. You're the best. Uh, Brendan, thank you so much. And uh, there's something special about that. And I'm just going to get sort of here for a moment in a brand new season. And uh, God is doing new things and good things in our midst. And we're starting a brand new collection of talks called Vision and Values. Uh, You know, as we launch into a new season, uh, it's important for us to re-kind of focus and focus in where are we headed as a church? Where are we going? What's our direction? Now, I have to let you in on a little secret. Uh, You know, uh, everywhere that I've worked uh, ever uh, has had a vision and values, and I can't remember any of them. Anyone, anyone's office has a vision statement that you got in your onboarding package that you cannot recall. Anyone? No one's willing to admit it. Uh, Maybe it's just me. Those things just never really stick. And so I'm like, okay. So sometimes I find them a little frustrating because I'm like, well, uh, uh, we just don't need those things. But it's important for us to move forward. And in in order for us to move forward together, uh, the best thing that we could do is kind of align our hearts around this shared vision. So I'm gonna speak uh, for the next six weeks. We're talking about vision and values because values are the things that drive us, but I don't call them just values. I call them family values because really that's what we're talking about is our family, our family values. And we're talking about our vision. And and in a few moments, uh, we're gonna kind of break down uh, that vision and uh, we're gonna see if this all, all the technology works today. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. It's black, so that's sort of good. There we go. And so we're going to break this down for you because sometimes I think when we look at vision statements, and this is our vision statement, we actually rolled this out last November during Vision Sunday, but that was that season of church when uh, everyone was watching online. And uh, so we definitely, uh, many of us might have seen it or heard it, many of us might have not. And so we're going to just refocus in on this, but sometimes you kind of read these statements, you're like, okay, those are nice, those are good, they've got some value, but like, what does it actually mean, and is it just nice words strung together? And I would suggest to you today, and we'll dive into that later today, that uh, it's more than just a series of thoughts or ideas, and you might not even like this, but I, I would trust you, by, I would hope, and I would trust that by the end of our conversation together here today, that you would see that we are building a church not based on new ideas, but based on God's ideas, that we have uh, seven values, which we're gonna unpack. Our first value is this, the very first thing, and you've probably already picked up on it. We are Jesus people. We are Jesus people. What does that mean? 
Well, it means that Jesus, as described in Scripture, Colossians 1, Colossians 1 would say that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, that he created everything. Everything was created through him, by him, and for him, that he is the supreme authority in the universe, that he created the things that we can see and the things that we cannot see. So we have this value that we are Jesus people. Why? Because he is the king of the universe. He spoke it into existence. The passage that we read today says this, in the beginning, the word already existed. So Jesus... Jesus, who John here describes as the word, already existed. So Jesus is not a created being. Jesus is God. He's the visible image of the invisible God. And as the visible image, we set our hearts and minds on him. We have another value. One of those values is we follow Jesus one step at a time. Meaning we're gonna follow his leading, his guiding, his prompting. We've got our ideas, we've got our timing, uh, and then he's got his ideas and his timings and the way that he wants to lead us forward as a church. So I'm not gonna spend too much on the values today because we're gonna do it a little bit later, but I wanted us to just focus in around this thought first and foremost, that Jesus is everything. Romans 5 says that Jesus came at just the right time while we were utterly helpless, while we were still his enemies, that he went and he died on the cross for you and for me, that we could become what? Friends of God. That we could become friends of God. I don't know what your relationship status with God is right now, but I wanna let you know that it is possible for you to be in a personal relationship with the creator of the universe to literally hold on to the hand of the one who holds the world. That the very one who speaks life and light into existence, that gives life to every, uh, every being whose breath is in our lungs, that you can literally have him speaking into your life. That we're not talking about an abstract principle of a God who is far removed, but what we are talking about is Jesus who is personal, who is real, and who is alive. What I want us to key in today is in John 1 verse 4, it says, the word gave life to everything that was created. With Jesus, you find life. You find life. Now, oftentimes when we think about Jesus, and if we come from a context where we are far from God, or we come from a, a strict religious construct, we think about the rules and the traditions and the ideologies that point us towards God, but we find ourselves at a distance or at a gap from him, that there is, there is no way to approach him, and yet Jesus would draw us near in the same way. Desiree read it earlier when we were doing the baby dedications, in the same way that Jesus called forward the children. He said, let them come, let them come, let them come. He calls you and he calls me, and he says, why don't you come with me? I wanna have a relationship with you. I wanna journey with you. I wanna walk with you. I wanna talk with you. I wanna hang out with you. And his character is this. In John 1:14, he is full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Jesus is full of unfailing love and faithfulness. So I don't know what you've seen and I don't know what you've heard, but Jesus is full of unfailing love and faithfulness doesn't matter how you think he is, how he truly is, his nature and his character is one that is full of unfailing love 
in faithfulness. What does that mean? Unfailing love and faithfulness means that in spite of how I act, live, behave, no matter what I do or what I have done, Jesus doesn't stop loving me. His love never stops chasing me down. He doesn't abandon me. He doesn't forget about me. Even if I forget about him, he has not forgotten about me. He is full of unfailing love and faithfulness. That is who he is. And so we set our hearts and our intentions on Jesus. Jesus. He's first in everything. Book of Revelation, which is scary to some, describes him as the author and the finisher, sorry, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the author, the finisher of our faith. He's still writing your story. Your story is not finished. It is not over. In fact, he is just getting started with you. Whether you're eight years old or 80 years old, he's just getting started with you. Now, our human condition is such that we struggle to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Why? because we are easily distracted. We are easily distracted by all kinds of things. In the first service, can I tell you, in the first service, just be glad you came to the second service. Don't tell them that. Say, ah, it's great. In the first service, this didn't work, and it was raining. So all I could think about was how this microphone was not working, and the rain was pouring on the roof, and you could hear it pouring on the roof. So I'm standing up here and I'm trying to talk and I'm trying to speak and I'm just standing here going, I have no idea how I'm gonna get through this thing because I can't stop thinking about how this microphone is work, not working and the rain is pounding on the roof and, and I'm trying to be like, listen, yeah, follow Jesus one step at a time. And in my head, everything inside of me is like, ah, this is gonna fail. Why? Because so often our human condition looks like me being distracted and allowing my external circumstances to determine my internal heart posture. All these things, all these different things that go on around me, these situations and these circumstances, they, 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 just, they start to push and pull at me and tear and rip and it's just like, would you look at me? Would you look at me? Would you look at me? And what that ultimately does is, is I have my eyes focused on Jesus and then I just, get, I just get distracted by something going on. This is best embodied by a portion of scripture where, where Jesus is walking on the water towards the disciples and, and we like that part of the story but sometimes what we miss is that just like a few days earlier, Jesus had cast out 2,000 demons out of this man and he went in, or more, and they went into these pegs and these pigs jumped into a lake and everyone was mad at them. And so these disciples are out on a boat and Jesus is out in the wilderness praying and they're on this boat and they're rowing and there's a storm and Jesus up on this mountain and hill, this cliff looks down and sees that they're in trouble, that they're in need. And just like he does for you and he does for me when he understands that there's a difficulty or there's a struggle. What does he do? He starts coming towards them. And as he starts coming towards them, while they're still a long ways off, you can find this in Mark 5 and 6, as they're still a long ways off, they see this figure moving towards them over in the water and all the disciples are like, ah! Because they are more convinced that it's demons that were in the water that Jesus cast out than it is anything good. And literally they're like, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. 
And as Jesus gets closer, guys, guys, it's me, it's me. And they're like, it's a ghost. And they're rowing faster as if that's gonna do anything to get away from the being that's walking across the water. And then Jesus says, listen, it's me, and I'm gonna prove it to you. Just come on out here, guys. Water's fine. They're in the middle of a storm. Just think about that for a moment. I'm gonna prove it's me, Jesus, by saying, come walk on the water with me and join me in a storm. That sounds like it's a trap. <laughs> like, I'm gonna sink in this thing. But Peter just like, let's go. <laughs> Throws his leg over it. Because he's just impulsive, and he's just like, yeah, let's do this thing. If it's Jesus, it's, G- it's gonna work. And so he starts walking towards Jesus. And as he starts walking towards Jesus, he becomes very, very aware of everything that's happening around him. He sees the waves, and he sees the wind, and like some water's hitting him in the face and he's like brushing it off and he sees Jesus and then he starts sinking and Jesus is like, come on, Peter, just look at me, just look at me. And for a long time we've thought and and we would suggest that it was when Peter started looking at the wind and the waves and all of those things that he he lost focus of Jesus and he spent more time focused on on the wind and the waves than he did on Jesus. We, We would theorize that it was at that moment that he began to sink. But I would like to submit to you today that I believe the moment that Peter began to sink wasn't when he realized what the waves were doing. It was when he started saying in his heart and in his mind, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. No, you're not, bro. Jesus is. Jesus is. There's something that happens in our lives, especially when we hit some degree of success, that we lose sight or we lose focus of that thing that we've put our eyes on, not that thing, that person, Jesus. Now, you didn't get that promotion. Yes, you worked hard, but Jesus placed you there at just the right time, at just the right moment to lead you and guide you into the next season. Let's be thankful for that promotion. Yeah, you got that job and you, you hustled and you put out those applications. You did all those right things, but Jesus breathed on it and put life on it. You got into that program at school and I'm so thankful that you worked hard and I'm not downplaying any of your effort because sometimes we just gotta put in all that energy and all that effort, but to be honest, the day of the Lord's favor has come and he makes a way for you and he puts, opens the right doors and he closes other doors and sometimes we get into trouble when we start saying, I made it, I made it, I did it, I did it, Ah, but by the grace of God. Let's set our eyes on Jesus. So here's what I want to do. Now that we've recalibrated our intentions, I want us to just dial in on this vision statement. I'm going to read it to you. You can read it with me. We go places no one wants to go and do things no one thought possible so that anyone and everyone can discover hope in life in Jesus. I'll read it one more time. We go places no one wants to go and do things no one thought possible so that anyone and everyone can discover hope in life in Jesus. I'm going to say it one more time. Come on. At Saints Church, we go places no one wants to go and do things no one thought possible so that anyone and everyone can discover hope in life 
in Jesus. That is what we are here for. Come on, somebody. That is what we are here for. That's what we exist to do. But you might go, oh, that's just some good talk and speech, and it's going to come out on a document, and I'm going to throw it in the garbage, and I'm going to forget all about it. Well, here's the truth. Every single church mission and vision statement is derived from the exact same place. Okay, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you. Matthew 28, okay? And my writing's terrible, but we're just gonna have to deal with it together. God gave me other gifts. Writing clearly is not one of them. Every single vision statement is derived from this great commission where he, Jesus says, there, I have all power and authority on the earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. And he goes on and he describes what that's gonna look like. All of that is describing what the call and the vision of the church is. So here's what I wanna do today is I just wanna dial into these words and I wanna show you that we're building a church that's built on a firm foundation. That foundation is Jesus and these words of life. So the first statement says, we go places. And you're like, what do you mean we're gonna go places? We're gonna go places. Well, we've got a number of responsibilities as a church that Jesus calls us to. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Oops, I'm using the wrong tool. Of all nations. That's Matthew 28, verse 20. Of all nations. And I'm gonna put it here. Of all nations. So we have a, we have a global responsibility that we support missionaries and we support missionaries that are in great places to be and in very tough places to be. We go places we go places because Jesus calls us to an international responsibility. I also think about this. We can tie that together. And I think about Acts 1, verse 8. It says, therefore, you shall be my witnesses. This is Jesus speaking. You'll be my witnesses as if to say, you have legal standing on in a court of law to be a witness and, a, and give testimony to the things that I have done, to my goodness and to my faithfulness. And you will do that in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And there's multiple levels there. He says, you will be my witnesses about the things that I'm doing locally regionally and internationally. So as a church, when we say we go places, we go to three places. We're local, we're regional, and we're international. We're local, we're regional, we're international. Now, when we say places, we're not gonna limit our thoughts to only a geographic place. We go places, and I'm gonna... Drop down Matthew 5. In Matthew 5, you find the Beatitudes. And you find that Jesus proposes to you and to I a whole new way of life, a counter-cultural way of life, a way that, that almost doesn't make any sense to anyone around us. He would suggest that there is a blessing that comes in being a peacemaker. And he would suggest that there's this, this way that we can live. And so when we say we go places, we go places not only geographically and externally, but we go places on a soul realm. We go places that other people aren't willing to go. We go places, why? Because we understand that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. It's gonna show up later. So we understand we're not perfect. We understand that we're in need of a savior. We, are under, we understand that there's a light that shines in the darkness and I've been keeping some places inside of me in the dark because I'm afraid of them and I'm afraid if only Jesus found out about those dark places that he would turn his face away but my friend can I tell you that when Jesus shows up he wants to turn the lights on in the darkest places of your heart he wants to bring change and transformation and hope in life so we go places 
We go places, we acknowledge that we're not perfect people. We acknowledge that we need Jesus. We acknowledge that we're broken, but we acknowledge that he holds all of the universe together and in the exact same way, he's gonna hold me together and he's gonna put me back together. We go places. So that becomes a welcoming and an open environment where we're not just friendly, but we're real. Because come on, we've been places and we have seen the goodness of Jesus. Let's talk for a moment about places that no one wants to go. You're like, what do you mean by that? Well, on a very cerebral, like a natural level, no places that no one wants to go. I'm thinking about places that we need to turn the lights on, like John 1, 5 says. I don't know if you know this, but as a church family, we actually support a missionary who's homegrown, who grew up here, and he's in what's called a restricted access nation. What that means is I can't tell you where he is. I can't tell you what country he's working, working in. But what I can tell you is every single day he's putting his life on the line so that anyone and everyone can discover that life and that hope that's found in Jesus. That thing that we take for granted of gathering even in this way, he, he, he risks his life every day to have small gatherings like this to just point somebody towards Jesus. Because we go places no one wants to go, we have those conversations that nobody wants to have. Why? Because we understand that when Jesus is present, he turns the lights on, it changes the way that we live our everyday life. So maybe you head to, I don't know if you're like me and, and uh, you do the school drop-off thing, any parents do that school drop-off thing, you really learn a lot about yourself uh, and the the depravity and the brokenness of humanity. I've never seen so much road rage in a drop-off line as we do at school, but you know, maybe you go to school and, and you, for whatever reason, you just kind of get out of the car and, and, and maybe you're an incredible mom and you see another mom and she's going through a hard time and, and, and it's a difficult struggle and you don't normally you know, kind of put yourself out there in this way, but you're reminded that, that, that there's a light that shines in the darkness. His name is Jesus and that light now lives inside of me, so when I show up into a situation, the light of Jesus is now lighting up that circumstance, and so I get into a conversation, and she starts to pour out her heart because she's just broken, she's hurting, and you go, ah, but I know that there's an answer. I'm willing to go there with you. I'm willing to sit there with you. I'm willing to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who are rejoicing because we go places. We go places because we've been there before, and we know the hope and life that's found in Jesus. So we go places no one wants to go in the natural and in the spiritual. Why? Because we know that the light shines and the darkness can never be extinguished. You still tracking with me? I wanna add something in the middle. This actually comes out of the Great Commission. What you'll discover is in the original language, it says, therefore go, and we think we, that means like therefore go on a trip. But many theologians and scholars would suggest to us that a better way that we could describe this very situation of us going is as you go. As you go in your everyday life, would you go and would you turn the lights on? Would you bring light and hope in life? That in many ways, the nations are in Canada. And so you may go on a missions trip but I just wanna remind you that every single day you step outside of the front door, you're stepping onto a missions trip. 
as you go. You got time for a few more? Sure, you're all here. We go places no one wants to go and do things. The whole phrase is do things that no one thought possible, but I want to just highlight for a moment the do things because sometimes we're like, are you suggesting that I have to do things for my salvation? No, I'm not suggesting that at all. It's a beautiful gift that you can have this relationship with Jesus, but what I am suggesting is that as you follow Jesus, he's gonna ask, he wants to work in you and through you. And he, he told us this. We think about this in John 14, 14 verse 12. He, he said, you've seen the things that I do. You have seen these things and you will see even greater things. So this New Testament, I, you know, I'm, we're doing this new through 30 uh, Bible reading plan. There's about, I think like 60 or 70 of us that are on this Bible reading plan together. We're reading through the entire New Testament. And as I'm reading, I'm just captivated by the things that Jesus is doing. He shows up and people get healed and they get transformed and they get set free. And it's kind of like this amazing thing where Jesus is just setting people free. And he says, listen, you see it here, but you will see greater things. You will see greater things. The question is, is your heart open for Jesus to use you in unconventional places? At work, in the office, at school, maybe in a church service, but the reality is the church isn't a building. It's the people. We are the church. And he says, I'm sending you to make disciples and you are gonna see greater things. Are you ready for what comes next? Greater things. But I also think about Matthew 25, 36 to 40, when he says, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. You took care of me. You tended to my wounds. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. The heart of Jesus is to take care of the most vulnerable. The group that he was speaking to, they said, Jesus, when did, when did we ever do that for you? He said, when you did it to the least of these, you have done it for me. So as a church community, we echo and we honor that call of Jesus and we take care of those in our city, in our neighborhood, in our communities that are most vulnerable. We feed them, we close them. If we're gonna go to prison, we're gonna visit them, we're gonna take care of them. We're already doing some of these things, but can I, my friends, can I tell you greater things are still to come. When we talk about things that no one thought possible, I'm not talking on a natural level, I'm talking spiritually. I'm talking about Luke 4. This was the mission of Jesus. Are we still awake here? Come on, Dave Perez, you still with me? Okay, praise God. He's like the most in, so it's easy, it's safe. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus speaking, echoing the words of Isaiah. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. That was the mission of Jesus. And my friends, I would submit and suggest to you today that our church should echo and follow the mission of Jesus, that we should be reflective of the mission of Jesus, that our church should look like, feel like, sound like, talk like freedom. That when somebody describes Saints Church, that it would be, ah, those are people who have been with Jesus and there is freedom there. And things that we didn't think were possible today are still happening, that people are getting healed and set free. You might say, listen, I don't know about that. That sounds too good to be true. You might say, I've seen too much. I've seen too much pain. I've seen too much brokenness. I've seen too many broken hearts. I don't know that Jesus does what he says he does. I raise to you, I have seen too much. I have seen Jesus. Jesus heal people, bodies have been healed, people that have wrestled with diagnosis for 10, 15 years healed in a moment. I have seen Jesus heal addicts who walk in that are addicted to debilitating substances and in a moment they're completely healed. I have seen too much. I submit to you that Jesus is active and alive today and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever And our church should look like, feel like, sound like the freedom that's found in Jesus. So that brings us to the exclusionist claims of Christianity. There is only one way, that's right. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But we believe that anyone and everyone, anyone and everyone can come here and find Jesus. What do you mean anyone? Well, we know Romans 3.23, that all have fallen short of the glorious standard of God, that we're all sinners, that we're all in desperate need of a savior. I think about Revelation 22, 17. It says this, the spirit in the bride say come. It's this beautiful picture that in stereo, the Holy Spirit in the bride, which is the church, say to all those who do not yet have a relationship with Jesus, come. There's this supernatural stereo effect that happens, this echo and this reverberation that says here you can find hope and life and freedom just Come, but it also says anyone who is hungry, anyone who thirsts can find that freedom. Anyone. And everyone, Romans. Oh, I changed it. That's okay. Romans 10 13 just happens to say that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's a throwback to the Old Testament to Joel 2 32. Anyone can discover, we discover that through making disciples. There's a personal responsibility on you and on me to make disciples. Now, I'm captivated always by the book of Romans, particularly Romans chapter 10, and in this case, Romans 15. Because it says, who can go unless they're sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who carry the good news. We shared it earlier. We shared it earlier in the dedication. How beautiful are the feet of those who carry the good news. Like if I was to take my shoes off right now, 
you'd be like, wow, those are beautiful feet. Because I just carried the good news of Jesus wherever I go. Desiree might disagree, you know, but that's okay. They're beautiful. It's like metaphorical. It's spiritual. It's Jesus. He's doing a thing in my feet, and it's beautiful. He says, well, how can they go unless they're sent? Jesus says, therefore, go. Therefore, as you go about your daily life, make disciples so that anyone and everyone can discover the hope and the life that's found. And I'm gonna put a red stain right through the name of Jesus because it's by his blood, by what he did on the cross that each and every one of us can find that hope, that life and freedom that we could be called friends of God. So at Saints Church, we go places no one wants to go and do things no one thought possible so that anyone and everyone can discover the hope in life that's found in Jesus. Thank you for tuning in to the Saints Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can head to saintschurch.ca to find information about service times and more online content. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.